Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So we're not doing a This Week in Basketball podcast this week just because it was after the All-Star break and I was going to make a podcast, you know, for the All-Star game in the Saturday, but I think everybody knows what went down, right? Like Saturday night was fantastic. You know, Skills Challenge was great. Uh, Buddy Heal wins the three-point contest uh uh, on the last shot, beating Devin Booker. And then the All-Star game was obviously fantastic. Great defense being played. Elam ending. Um, you know, charities were great. Having the kids in the crowd. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to see it end in a free throw. Every that, That's pretty much to take everyone's cut. And I, I really tend to agree with most of that. So we're just going to leave the All-Star stuff aside for now. And um, we're going to go over, you know, you know, the last 25 games to go here. What am I looking at? Uh, we're going to talk about the buyout guys that have landed on some new teams. Um, a coach has been let go um, and, you know, a couple of the news things as well. So let's start with the buyout guys here. Uh, Marvin Williams, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, bought out by Charlotte and is heading to Milwaukee, heading to Milwaukee uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are uh, subsequently waiving Dragon Bender to make room, and uh, Bender actually signed a 10-day with the Golden State Warriors. So for the Bucks here, um, I want to go a little bit deeper here on Marvin Williams. The Bucks really don't have you know, a Marvin Williams type player on their roster. I'd say the closest thing they've got is probably something along the lines of, you know, DJ Wilson and Ursan Ilyasova, but those guys aren't necessarily, you know, Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is a veteran in this league. You know, he was the number two overall pick back in the day. Uh, he really understands, you know, spacing. He can shoot the three on the move, uh, really put it on the floor for a dribble or two. Uh, has become a really underrated player, I would say, throughout uh, his career just based on the fact that he was drafted, you know, number two overall and, you know, never really lived up to that uh, to that pick. But still a very, very solid rotation player, uh, you know, here for Milwaukee and really gives them another, you know, shooter and uh, element that they can use uh, for spacing there around Giannis in uh, bench lineups or a guy that they can fill in. Uh, in the starting lineup if they feel that they want to go, you know, a little bit bigger with, uh, you know, a Giannis Williams, um, Brooke Lopez front court along with Bledsoe and Middleton in the backcourt. So they've got some options here with Marvin Williams. I, th- I think that was a good pickup. Uh, I really I really do like his game, and I think he's going to uh, be able to help them, you know, even more. And, you know, not that this Bucks team needed any help. They're, you know, a historically good regular season team. And I expect a lot more of the same in the playoffs as this team is uh, far and away, I would say, the best team in the NBA at this very moment. Next, we got uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist from Charlotte also bought out. He's headed to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Gives them another, you know, a defensive guy, obviously. Um, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, not necessarily a stout offensive player, but, you know, another uh, guy at small forward that they can use as somewhat uh, of a stopper, you know, in the playoffs, being able to put him on uh, your best, you know, wing type player, uh, whether it be, you know, he can guard to me three fours or two threes and fours, depending on, you know, in some cases, maybe a little bit uh, too speedy for him at the two, but threes and fours for sure. Uh, and I think that this is a nice pickup here for Dallas as they, outside of maybe Dorian Finney-Smith, they don't really have that defensive, uh, you know, wing that they could put on a guy and really, uh, you know, count on him for, you know, 25 minutes plus to um, to really slow down that opposing offensive player. So I definitely get it here for Dallas, why they picked him up. And, uh, you know, a nice little grab here on the buyout market for just a prorated minimum there for Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. So we got... Next, Reggie Jackson bought out by Detroit. He's headed to the Clippers. Now, 
you know, this one was surprising to me at first. You thought, you know, maybe he would go to the Lakers. And I understand he's good friends with Anthony Davis. Uh, the Lakers can use another ball handler, uh, you know, on the second unit outside of, you know, Quinn Cook, uh, Rondo, and Alex Caruso. But, you know, he does choose to go to the Clippers now um, where there surely won't be as much playing time, you know, with Lou Williams uh, being in the backcourt and Patrick Beverly starting. But, you know, Reggie Jackson maybe can come in and give them a few minutes uh, here and there, some spot minutes uh, during the regular season, maybe uh, a bit of an innings eater in the re- for the rest of the regular season, and perhaps some spot minutes in the playoffs as well if Doc Rivers sees fit to put him in a specific matchup. Um, you know, defensively, I don't think Reggie Jackson is that good particularly, but again, neither is Lou Williams. So maybe it's one of those things where if Lou Williams just doesn't have it going on some some nights, you have uh, an insurance policy in Reggie Jackson that you can throw in for 10, 15 minutes a game and just kind of hold the fort down until you get your starting unit back uh, with Pat Beverly, obviously being, uh, you know, the kind of uh, guard anchor on defense there for that team. So um, really doesn't seem like Reggie Jackson's going to move the needle too much for the Clippers, given their, you know, Beverly and Lou Williams uh, point guard rotation seems to be working just fine for them. But it's a nice insurance policy just in case, you know, one of those two doesn't have it going, one of those two gets injured. Uh, It's good to have a guy, you know, like Reggie Jackson to be able to kind of hold down the fort at the very least uh, for this Clippers team should they need his services. Next, we're going to Damari Carroll, who is bought out by San Antonio and heading to the Houston Rockets. Uh, we talked at the last podcast about, you know, how the Houston Rockets really have gone in uh, all in on their strategy of, you know, no center, five out basketball, something we really haven't seen before. And, you know, this is kind of just another bet in that direction, in my opinion. You know, Damari Carroll, um, you know, six seven um, really hasn't been the same since he was um, he was signed in Toronto for that I think four year sixty million dollar deal back in 2016 has had uh, some unfortunate knee injuries that has really you know kind of kept him in and out of the lineup but you know if they can get something from him uh, on a three and D basis that would really help them um, with now PJ Tucker mostly moving to center uh, they don't really have. Uh, a three, uh, a guy at the three that can actually be some sort of stopper. Like Eric Gordon, you know, solid defensively, but not necessarily a guy that you're throwing in there, you know, for defense on your best wings. Uh, ben McLemore is obviously not that guy. You do have Covington, which is good. Covington is definitely closer to being that guy. But as I mentioned on past podcasts, more of a, you know, a guy that uh, helps you off ball more than he does as an on-ball stopper. And I think Damari Carroll is a little bit the opposite. I think it's uh, Damari Carroll is one of those guys where, you know, if he's healthy, and that's a big caveat, but you can throw him on, uh, you know, some of your best twos and threes and um, put him on the ball and uh, keep guys in front of him, between him and the basket, you know, for uh, deny them catches, all that sort of stuff. So I like this pickup of Damari Carroll. Uh, again, prorated minimum here for the Rockets, not dipping into the tax or anything like that because they're in the buyout market. Uh, so I think it's a solid pickup here. For Houston and uh, just another you know bet on this five out uh, strategy uh, for them. Um, as is the next guy, Jeff Green, uh, bought out by Utah, also going to Houston. Uh, Jeff Green a little bit bigger uh, than Damari Carroll, if I'm not mistaken. He's probably the closest thing to uh, a true center that they actually have. Uh, but again, they're they had they don't have any centers you know at the very moment. Uh, I, th- I believe they sent uh, Isaiah Hartenstein back down to the G League. Uh, I guess they still have, uh, you know, Tyson Chandler. But, you know, for the most part, they're really putting their all their eggs in one basket here. And, uh, you know, Jeff Green, I think he's on a 10-day right now. I don't think he has a full uh, contract for the rest of the season. But 
Um, again, another guy, you know, bigger four that you can maybe switch, play some small ball five and see what you can do for you, you know, on that end as well. And a guy that can obviously shoot threes along with Damari Carroll as well. All right, Mar- Markeith Morris uh, gets bought out by Detroit. He's going to the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Lakers subsequently waived DeMarcus Cousins, uh, but he's going to continue to rehab with the team. And uh, Sean Sarania reporting that this actually is going to give Kuzma more minutes at the three. So I'm guessing this is going to mean more, you know, Kuzma, LeBron, AD frontcourt lineups. Um, maybe possibly, you know, another variation of that, depending on how the Lakers, you know, want to, want to play that, whether it be, you know, on the second unit, on the first unit with, uh, JaVale at center, uh, et cetera. You can picture the different lineups that would happen there, but you know, Markeith Morris, uh, very similar game, obviously to his twin brother, Marcus Morris, uh, not as good. Uh, I would say Marcus Morris is definitely the better player at this point. Um, but again, another depth piece there for the Lakers at the four, a guy that maybe you can throw for some spot minutes there on a guy like Paul George, on, on a guy like Kawhi Leonard, and you know maybe not uh, get absolutely destroyed. Now, again, you don't want him to be the stopper, uh, that guy that you you know rely on 25 minutes a game or whatever. You probably want someone you know along the lines of a, uh, a Danny Green, you know maybe a KCP to be that guy. Maybe LeBron will see some time on them as well, but. Uh, again, just another body you can throw at them and uh, another spot that you can fill in at the four here uh, if you're Marcus Morris and to some degree the three as well and possibly even small ball center if you're really feeling frisky. So uh, we'll see how that works. But again, Marquise Morris bought it by Detroit and headed to the Lakers and Cousins is going to be waived. So uh, no, any any um, any lasting hope of DeMarcus Cousins coming back for the Lakers this year, uh, it's not going to happen. All right, moving forward here, John Beeline is out as Cavs head coach uh, after about 55 games. Uh, there was a bunch of stories, you know, in the Athletic about how he was having, you know, some trouble adjusting to the pro game from his time in college. A uh, bunch of the Cavs players saying that this was uh, too college-y a system. He was talking about plays ran where they're like the call was polar bear, uh, the the thugs versus slugs debacle. Uh, all that's all that sort of stuff um, really seems that Beeline was having a tough time fitting in here as Cavs head coach. And now uh, uh, JB Bickerstaff is going to be taking over the head coaching duties. Uh, he's done this uh, a couple times before in Memphis and with the Rockets as well. After Kevin McHale was fired, I believe back in 2016. So. Uh, Bickerstaff is going to have a chance to prove himself here as possibly becoming the next Cavs head coach if he, you know, can hold the four, maybe gets this team to some wins. But uh, as of right now, John Beeline out as Cavs head coach, and you know, I think it's I think it's the right move here. Like it's it didn't seem to me like Beeline was getting the most out of these players. It se- it seems like he wasn't commanding respect in the locker room. Uh, obviously, by the number of reports there from the Athletic, it didn't seem that the players were buying into what he was doing. And so if that's the case, then unfortunately it's, you got to get, you got to go. We don't really have time to, you know, be tampering around, especially unfortunately with a coach at his age. uh, If the, if things aren't working and aren't turning it around, you don't really have, you know, that much time to, you know, see the whole thing out before you have to make a decision and say, okay, we're, we can't, we can't afford to, you know, play this game for too much longer. We're in the middle of a re- middle of a rebuild here. We need our coach to be solid and stable. 
to be able to mentor guys, you know, like Kevin Porter Jr., like Darius Garland, like Colin Sexton, like Dylan Windler. Um, and obviously, Beeline wasn't getting that done. So I, I, I don't know. I think it was, I don't know if this was like a mutual parting or whether Beeline just decided, hey, I'm gone. Uh, but either way, Beeline out and Bickerstaff is in as uh, Cavs head coach here going forward for the rest of the season. Okay. Next piece of news, Kyrie Irving is going to undergo seizing-ending arthroscopic uh, surgery on that shoulder. You know, he was having that problem with his shoulder earlier in the year. He's only played 20 games for uh, the Brooklyn Nets this year, and uh, now he's going to be done for the season after the surgery. So, yeah, I mean, obviously when we came into this season, because there was no Kevin Durant, we expected this season to be kind of a, uh, a wash year if you will, for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but I think, you know, it w- would have been nice to see Kyrie play a few more games here, you know, with this Brooklyn team, try to develop him with some chemistry with some guys that might be on the roster moving forward next season. You know, there's a couple unrestricted free agents, uh, Joe Harris being one of them. So maybe that, um, maybe that isn't consistent next year. But, you know, guys like Dinwiddie, guys like Karis LeVert, um, you know, De- DeAndre Jordan, uh, you just want to see uh, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. You just want to see those guys, you know, develop a little more chemistry with Kyrie in, in pick and roll situations, uh, just kind of understanding what he wants to do. And, you know, I don't think 20 games is a big enough sample size necessarily for that to take place, you know, in my opinion. And so, you know, yeah, it, w- it was definitely a wash here because, you know, KD is going to be back next year or whatever. But I, I do think – while I say it's a wash here, I do think that there was a an opportunity here for Kyrie Irving to really kind of ingratiate himself with the team and be able, you know, to try and you know see what see what works and see what doesn't, see where you can place KD uh, in next year uh, based on you know some actions, some you know some tendencies, and I don't think we necessarily got that from Kyrie this season. Unfortunately, uh, remember the you know the the comment about, you know, leaving guys off the list that they're trying to build around. He mentioned uh, DJ, uh, DeAndre Jordan. He mentioned uh, Garrett Temple, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, KD. And, you know, he didn't mention, you know, guys like Joe Harris, um, you know, Torian Prince, Jared Allen. And uh, that I'm sure that left a, kind of a sour taste in the mouths of, of those players. Um, so didn't, didn't necessarily create the greatest chemistry on the court uh, with those guys, in my opinion, I think uh, the the record, you know, with Kyrie on the on the floor was something like uh, you know not nine and eleven or something. So not a, not even playing incredibly great basketball with him on the floor, and uh, you know it's just kind of a tough situation. I just think that uh, I think Kyrie had an opportunity to really you know set some groundwork for next year and kind of real really fail to do so. You know, in my opinion. So yeah, it's a wash here. Brooklyn will still probably make the playoffs. They'll probably be first round fodder for you know whoever that uh, first or second team in the East is, whether it be uh, you know the Raptors, the Celtics, the Bucks. They'll probably lose to whoever that team is in the first round, and uh, they'll you know they'll obviously be going home. But um, I thought there was an opportunity here for Kyrie to build some relationships, uh, build some camaraderie, build some chemistry with the teammates, and I don't necessarily think that that got done this year, in my opinion. All right. Here, let's talk about what I'm watching here for the last 25 games of the regular season heading into the playoffs. Um, three main things I'm watching. Uh, I'm, um, first of all, I'm watching how these new bio guys we've talked about earlier here in the podcast are going to fit 
with their teams. Um, specifically, guys in Houston. I'm interested to see a bigger sample size of the whole No, nobody at center, five out. I want to see how they play. I want to see how uh, Harden and Westbrook operate with this five out system. Obviously, Westbrook being one of the main reasons that this five-out system came to be just because of his, you know, lack of ability uh, to shoot the ball. You know, having two non-shooters out there really gums up the spacing uh, for a system that's looking to get up as many threes as possible. So I want to see uh, Westbrook attacking the rim. He's been absolutely fantastic, you know, as of late uh, for the past, you know, month or or almost two now. um, Really Really taking, really taking a lot less threes. Underst- finally, understanding his limitations as a player and really buying in on his strengths, which is just attacking the basket relentlessly, um, going through centers, um, really just you know dragging the center out of the paint and just attacking the rim with force. And that's just great to see from Russell Westbrook. So I want to see more of that from him. He's been doing a great job of doing that thus far. Um, let's see what I want to see Harden maybe get back on track a little bit. He's been a little bit, you know, up and down. I, I'd like to see if this gets him back, um, you know, into a rhythm here. Uh, and let's see how the bio guys fit in, you know, Damari Carroll, Jeff Green, uh, they've even got, you know, Bruno Caboclo as well. I want to see how the, how the rotation and how the minutes get distrib- distributed here. Uh, and what's that, what, what that's going to look like. Uh, and how many minutes is, you know, a guy like, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, if he comes back up from the G League, or Tyson Chandler going to get? Are they really just not going to play a center for the whole game? Or is this going to be the case where, you know, maybe 36 of the 48 um, have no center on the floor, and maybe, you know, just a few, you know, 12 minutes or so they play it with a center? Um, I want to see the distribution of that and how that works as well, because I think it would behoove of them to have a plan B. I don't think it would, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, uh, smart of them to just say, okay, we're going all in five out whatsoever. If, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. I think it would be hoove of them to just, you know, have, sprinkle in a little bit of backup center there with Tyson Chandler and just kind of, you know, see how it works. Uh, just show teams a little bit of a different look. Uh, just kind of keep them on their heels. I think that that would be beneficial there for the Houston Rockets. So they're a team that I am definitely watching here going forward through the last 25 games. And then the other two thing, the other two things, uh, kind of simultaneously that I'm watching here, is the East and the West, the two, three, four, five, and six seeds in the East and the West. So let's start, you know, in the East here. The Bucks uh, obviously are going to be the number one seed, 48 and eight as I record this podcast. Absolutely fantastic stuff. The Raptors here are in second at 41 and 15, seven games back of the Bucks, and the Celtics third. Uh, 39 and 16. They're one and a half game back of the Raptors, eight and a half game back of the Bucks. And then we've got a bit of a gap here with the Heat, the Sixers, and the Pacers, all within about three games of each other. Now, the reason I say this two, three, four, five, and six matchup is because, you know, if you're any one of these teams in the Eastern Conference, you want to be in that two, one or two spot because you're either going to draw the Nets or the Magic. Or if some, unless something crazy happens, possibly even the Wizards as a team um, that you're going to play in the first round, and you'll mostly have a very lax first round, probably you know a four or five gamer, six tops uh, if you're these one or two seeds. But if you're the three, four, five, and six, you know that like as it stands right now, the Celtics would pay the play the Pacers, and the Heat would play the Sixers, and 
you know, both of those with both of those teams, two teams that don't don't think they should be going home in the first round are going to be going home in the first round. And so you really have to take that into account if you're these teams and that's why I'm watching specifically are the like uh, are these teams going to strategically try to face a team you know that they think they possibly have a better matchup against um I don't know I don't I don't necessarily know how that's going to work I want to see you know how these teams play out down the stretch and uh and see where they land in the playoffs because again you know between the cell between uh the south I would say the Raptors the Celtics the Heat the Sixers and the Pacers you know, two of those teams are going home in the first round and probably shouldn't be going home in the first round. So we'll see We'll see how this plays out here, and uh, that's kind of interesting to me. And the same thing here in the West. The same thing here in the West. You know, you got the Lakers who are, you know, in first at 42 and 12. You know, the Nuggets are five games back of them at 38 and 18. And then you've got, you know, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Thunder, uh, and the Mavericks, you know, all within about four games of each other um, between the two and the seventh seed. And again, same kind of idea here. If you're the Nuggets right now, you're, you're getting the Mavericks in the first round. And, you know, I personally, like, I could see the Mavericks, you know, putting up a series against the Nuggets. You know, the Thunder Clippers, okay, you probably, you're probably taking the Clippers in that series. And again, the Jazz Rockets, 4-5. We've seen this, we've seen this series, it seems like, so many times already. And again, if you're the Jazz or the Rockets, one of those teams is going to go home in the first round and probably shouldn't be going home in the first round. So... I'm interested to see where they land once again, you know, what if the Nuggets, you know, slip into that, uh, you know, that three spot and face the Thunder like that. That's not necessarily a very fun matchup. Uh, if you're the Nuggets to have the Thunder in the first round, the Thunder are frisky, man. They're they're They've proven they can close out close games. They've got a matchup to be able to, be able to play uh, the stretch five, you know, when a guy like Mike Muscala or possibly Nerlens Noel stretching it a little bit. And they've got the bruiser uh, there in Steven Adams for the matchup, uh, you know, with Jokic. Uh, the Paul Murray matchup, you know, is interesting. Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, on Gary Harris, I think, is interesting as well. So there's some stuff happening here um, that I think is, you know, quite fascinating between uh, the Thunder and the Nuggets. And, you know, the Nuggets and the Clippers is only separated by one game. So we'll, we'll see how things go. We'll see how things go here. I'm, I'm interested to see how things operate. But, again, between the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Jazz, and the Thunder, you know, two and the Mavericks, you know, two of those teams – uh, are going home uh, early and, you know, probably shouldn't, don't deserve to be going, probably don't deserve to be going home either, uh, in my opinion. So we're, we're going to see it. We're going to see how it is, man. This is going to, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be quite interesting. Um, yeah. So that's really what I'm watching as the season goes on here. Um, that, that'll end today's podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining once again. I, uh, I'm i actually heading out to a Raptors game today as uh, my co-worker was able to uh, score a couple of us some tickets. So I'm heading to watch the Raptors Pacers here at 6 p.m., which should be um, should be kind of fun. Um, let's pick a game of the week here. Let's pick a live game of the week, unchosen. Uh, just kind of taking a look at what's on the slate right now. I'm going to do this, you know, live as we go. So let's, let's see what we got here. N nothing really on Monday. 
you know, Tuesday. Nope. Actually, oh, Raptors Bucks on Tuesday. Um, I think we're going to go with that one. I haven't even looked at the rest of the week, but Tuesday, February 25th, Raptors Bucks, 7.30 p.m. I think that's a good one. Uh, I think that's a very good one to, to, to do for our game of the week this week. Uh, so let's, let's, let's go with that one. That'll be our game of the week for next week. Raptors bucks. That'll sure be interesting. So thanks again for, thanks again for listening. Shorter one this week, but we'll get back to game, uh, to, um, this week in basketball as things start ramping up again. And, uh, yeah, hope you, uh, Hope you enjoy the rest of this regular season. It's you know coming to a close quite quickly, and you know let me know when you guys are watching. What are you guys interested in uh, in watching this uh, this rest of the regular season? Are you watching a specific race for an award like the Defensive Player of the Year race, the you know MVP race? Well, like what do you, what are you guys watching? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, or is it a specific team, uh, a specific you know player? Um, I'd like to hear it all. So uh, definitely let me know what you guys are interested in. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. uh, We'll see you guys next week for another uh, episode of the Isobel podcast till then.